TCU is headed back to Omaha. We will discuss that and uh, another maybe under-the-radar player. We'll talk about our X factors for TCU football, but our main focus today, TCU baseball. They're headed back to the College World Series. They sweep Indiana State. That's coming at you right now on Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Horn Frogs, I am your host, Stephen Simcox. An exciting weekend of TCU athletics. As I said in the open, TCU baseball, they're headed to Omaha. They're going to face Oral Roberts uh, in that game one, their side of the bracket. Oral Roberts, and then on the, uh, the other side, the matchup will be Florida and Virginia. So we'll get into that next. We'll talk about the sweep of Indiana State. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever it is you get your podcasts, and it's audio variety. And hard to know where to start because there's so much to talk about with this baseball team, the turnaround that they've had. If you followed this show all year, uh, you know how improbable this seemed a few months ago. And first off, I'll just say incredible atmosphere at Lupton this weekend. Um, 8,800 fans on day one. I can't remember exactly where it ended up on day two on Saturday, but that Saturday night game shattered the attendance record again. Heard it was the biggest uh, attended college baseball game on a college campus in the state of Texas, which is a really cool stat. It was nice to see the atmosphere. The outfield berm was packed. Uh, fantastic way to end the season at Lupton, of course, with advancing to the College World Series. And this team, it's been a roller coaster of a season. Uh, and you know, the start conference play, they dropped series against Oklahoma. That was frustrating. Dropped a game three with the bullpen kind of blew it against Texas Tech. Same deal. That Friday night game, just a, an inexcusable loss. Again, bullpen ran into some trouble. Um, I think they were up 16 to 10. You know, they had a bigger lead at one point, but you remember it was just a tough loss. Ended up losing two out of three in Lubbock to Texas Tech. But then they sort of turned things around. They beat Oklahoma State in a, a series at home. And at the time, they were 7-5 and five in conference play, and they were in the middle of what was a jumbled-up Big 12 conference, but it felt like, okay, maybe this is the start of something great. And then uh, they followed that up with getting swept by West Virginia and Morgantown, dropping two of three to Texas. And at that point, they were 7-10 and 10 in conference play and 23-20 and 20 on the season, and it looked pretty bleak. But they get a midweek win over Dallas Baptist. Carson Bowen hit a big grand slam. They bounce back. You know, they get a, a series win over Cal State Fullerton in a non-conference series. Um, sweet Baylor, take two out of three from Kansas State, get in the Big 12 tournament, win the Big 12 tournament, sweep through the Fayetteville Regional, and then take care of Indiana State. They are 19-2 and two in their last 21. Just an incredible run by Kirk Sarlus and his team. And as I was sort of thinking about – you know, what the season has been. I, I will say this, something that sort of popped into my mind as I was kind of reflecting back on the run itself, the constant this year, and sort of an interesting twist, the most consistent players on the team this year have been newcomers, either freshmen or transfers. You look at Cole Klecker, who uh, started the year as a bullpen guy, eventually gets thrust in the rotation kind of early in the season and never looked back and ended up throwing a great game against Indiana State against game one, seven shutout innings, held that Sycamore's offense down, allowed the team on a night where they didn't have their best offensive effort to win the baseball game. Um, you know, the freshman in the lineup, like Carson Bowen at catcher, who's been great at the plate and had that great pickoff play 
that back pick to second base when Ben Abel was kind of struggling with his command to get out of the seventh inning in that game. Um, Anthony Silva, who's been just outstanding at shortstop and consistent all year. The transfers, Cole Fontenelle, the Juco guy from MCC, who hit a bomb in uh, yesterday's game and has just been great all season long. Trey Richardson, the transfer from Baylor, who had, of course, that incredible weekend against um, Arkansas and company in Fayetteville and has just been consistent all year. And, yes, Braden Taylor has been super consistent. I think Braden, especially from a power standpoint, has been great all season long, sort of went through a slump from a hitting perspective at different points, but has now turned into, you know, your best and most well-rounded player on both sides of the field. However, I do feel like as, as much as we uh, criticized Kirk Sarlis at times, and there were some questionable in-game management decisions. For the future of this program, the biggest source of optimism, besides the fact that they're going to the College World Series in year two, which is really exciting, is that he's hit on all these recruiting wins. You know, the the freshman class that came in this year has made an immediate impact. The guys he went and got in the portal made an immediate impact. But the thing that stood out to me about Friday and Saturday uh, for this TCU team was I think it was the cleanest baseball they've played all year. Now, the offense struggled at times, but Indiana State team was good. They play good defense. They pitch well. They don't have an overpowering offense, but they'll move the line on you. you know, they'll, they'll get some singles here and there. They'll, there excuse me, they'll work walks. They'll get free passes. They find ways to score. And in game one, Cole Clucker was outstanding. Seven shutout innings. Austin Davis hits a solo home run. Cole Fontenelle hits a solo home run. Austin Davis, another one of those transfers, that's made a big impact this year. Coming over from West Virginia, eventually kind of settles into that nine hole at the bottom of the lineup and has shown some pop there. He's been fantastic. Uh, Two-run home run by Cole Fontenelle to give him a 3-0 lead. And then the game just sort of slowed down to a crawl, and it was 3-0 for a long time. Luke Savage comes in and closes it out. They win game one. In game two, against a really good pitcher for Indiana State, who was um, the Missouri Valley Conference Pitcher of the Year, uh, Connor Finlong. You know, they go in there, and it's, it's a slog to start the game. Um, struggle a little bit. They go down 2 nothing, But then Sam Stoutenborough settles in. He guts it out through five and a third, keeps TCU in the ball game. And then finally, um, you know, Braden Taylor works a walk. Cole Fontenelle gets a double. Uh, and the line starts moving, and they end up scoring uh, four runs in that inning. Fontenelle hits another bomb later in the game. And Ben Abelt comes in. Not his sharpest night, but he gets some plays from the defense. He makes some big pitches when he has to. And Garrett Wright comes in and closes it out, and they win 6-4. to four. It was great team baseball. It was great fundamental baseball. They executed uh, situationally in some hitting spots where they haven't done that well all season long. They got some big hits and big moments. It wasn't the offensive barrage that you saw against Arkansas. And they swept through the Big 12 tournament. They go 3-0 and in the Fayetteville Regional. And they sweep Indiana State. And this team is 9-0 so far in postseason play, which is incredible. And now they get to go play in Omaha. And I mentioned earlier, Oral Roberts, they took down Oregon, won a best two out of three. Really good series. Game two, Oral Roberts was down uh, in the ninth inning. They rally and win that game on a walk-off double. Come back tonight in game three and get a victory on the road in Eugene. Um, And this is a good ball club. Again, you know, Summit League team, mid-major team, but they are 50 and 12 on the season, which is an outstanding record. 23 and one in conference play, um, which is kind of like what I said against Indiana State. You know, no matter the competition, 
that's just a crazy win percentage in the game of baseball. Uh, they've got a really good lineup, and they've got some dudes who can hit. Jonah Cox uh, comes in with a 422 average, and I'm not sure if he got a hit today or not. I know coming into tonight he was riding a 46-game hitting streak, which is absolutely unheard of. Matt Hogan hits 335. Holden Breeze hits 323. They have a lot of guys that hit the ball and can hit for power. You know, they were up 8 nothing in game one against Oregon. That game turned on its head. They ended up losing that on a walk-off 9-8. But they swept through – uh, the Stillwater Regional, which was a tough regional, Oklahoma State, and they beat Oklahoma State a few times this year. Before that, in midweek games, they beat Dallas Baptist. They got a victory over Washington, who was no slouch either. And so this is a good team. Again, a little different than Indiana State. They were more pitching defense. This is more like we can hit on every spot in the lineup. But Or Roberts, solid team. I love how this TCU team is playing right now. I think this side of the bracket is manageable. The other side of the bracket, LSU and Wake, that's going to be really tough. I mean, whoever emerges out of that, if it's not one of those two teams, did some serious work because Wake Forest swept through their Super Regional. So did LSU. Wake Forest scored 22 runs today. They got two really good arms. Um, LSU has a great arm in uh, Paul Skeens. He's just outstanding. They have a, a fantastic ball club. Florida's really good, and so is Virginia. And they're, you know, two solid teams. They're on the uh, TCU side of the bracket. Oral Roberts is good. They're going to have to fight and claw to win that ball game. But of the two, I would take this matchup. Now, the thing for TCU, and it's it's still the concern, I don't really know how it's going to get addressed. You know, you can't address it this week necessarily. But there's the pitching depth. It's lacking a little bit. You know, you have, uh, you have Cole Klecker. And then I said this on Twitter after the game. You really can't say enough about the work that Sam Stoutenborough has done down the stretch here especially with Luis Rodriguez out. Like, it's not always flashy. He's going to give up some runs most likely, but he he doesn't. he's not going to go out there and strike out 12 guys. But he just gives you innings, and he bears down. He knows how to pitch. He gets out of jams, and he keeps TCU in the ballgame. And that's what you want. And in a game three situation, I don't know. You probably turn into Cam Brown. Uh, if it gets further than that, maybe Chase Hoover. One thing that does help in the College World Series is you have some built-in off days. So you're not playing – you know, back-to-back-to-back games, um, especially if you can stay in the winner's bracket. But that is the Achilles heel of this team, and it's going to be tough to slug their way out of Omaha. But, again, they're red hot right now. I love how they're playing. And part of me is just like it seems so improbable for them to do this that it's tough to even have, you know, outrageous expectations for what's next. It's, It's tough not to just sit and enjoy kind of what's happening in front of you. But TCU baseball going to Omaha, fantastic job by Kirk Sarlos and that group. Um, it didn't seem possible, uh, you know, even a month ago. And they've just turned this thing on its head and flipped it completely. Even when they took two out of three from Kansas State, I was like, that's great. I probably got them in the tournament. I don't know what they'll do from here. Um, but they have just exceeded expectations in a huge way. Another uh, cool story about this, and I, I talked about this before the series started, but the Lepton Drinking Club, you know, they kind of sent out the bat signal because um, Indiana State couldn't host this re- Super Regional because of their commitment to host the uh, State of Indiana Special Olympics. And I saw, you know, TCU decided they were going to donate. TCU fans donated online. You know, TCU's university decided they were going to donate $1 for all the concession stands, uh, profits that were sold this weekend. And so I, I saw that over $50,000 was raised the Special Olympics of Indiana, which is a fantastic 
um, cause and a really cool uh, just, you know, generosity by TCU fans. It was awesome to see that community be built and just the, the cool crossover that happened between the two universities. And so that was also just a, a great thing that happened this weekend. We'll talk more about the College World Series all throughout this week. Before we uh, do that, though, I do want to discuss, before we do that in more detail, I do want to discuss TCU football, and we'll continue our series about X factors for the TCU football season. FanDuel, they're a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network and of Locked On Horn Frogs. You can go to fanduel.com slash locked on. And uh, if you do that, they have a no sweat first bet deal going on right now, where if you put as little as $5 down, you could get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. So if you kind of want a mulligan, that's a good option for you. They also have a safe, secure, and easy to use app tomorrow night. Nuggets and Heat. Nuggets trying to close it out and win an NBA championship. Um, if you want to bet on the money line, if you want to make some prop bets, you can do it at fanduel.com slash locked on or use that safe and secure app. FanDuel, proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. And uh, we're happy that they're a part of our broadcast here on Locked On Horn Frogs. So we've been doing a series over the past week or so about X factors for the TCU football season. On the defensive side of the ball, I talked to Marcel Brooks, linebacker for TCU. On the offensive side of the ball, I talked about DeAndre Rogers, tight end for TCU. And this was a guy that honestly wasn't on my radar, but a fan mentioned it, a fan of the show mentioned it. You can always comment on YouTube. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Simcox Steven. The show is at Locked On TCU. But they reached out to me in one of the YouTube comments and they said, hey, could Jalen Robinson get spotlighted as one of your X factors for the TCU football season? And I decided to roll with it because I think it is a good thought. Jalen Robinson, if you don't know that name, so a couple of years back, TCU was pursuing him in the transfer portal. He was coming off a big season at Central Florida. Um, had 55 catches for 979 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, and he's originally a DFW kid, Fort Worth kid. So it made sense. Now he ended up going to Ole Miss. And that was his third team. He was at Oklahoma to start his career and transferred to UCF, did some nice things there, transferred to Ole Miss, and now is transferring to TCU at Ole Miss. Was not really a factor at all last season. Five catches for 29 yards, dealt with some injuries. And that's really been the story of Jalen Robinson's career. Aside from that one outstanding season back in 2020 where he had almost 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, it's been tough for him to stay on the field. And so that's honestly the biggest question surrounding him um, when he comes to TCU. Now, if you're wondering what kind of wide receiver he is, his nickname's Flash, and this is a guy that has a lot of speed. 5'9", 180 pounds. This is a fast, fast wide receiver who could be a nice vertical threat in the passing game. Um, did not participate in spring practice, wasn't a part of it. And so I think it's hard for me to have super high expectations because you just don't know what his availability is going to be. And – I'm not sure where he fits in on the depth chart yet because we haven't even really seen him run in practice yet. And I, I don't know like what his learning curve is going to be when fall camp starts. But here's why I will say that he's an X factor. Because of that speed and because of that home run threat, you have a guy who can stretch the defense and make plays. And you're not necessarily going to ask him to be out there for 60 or 70 snaps in a game. But if he can give you 10 to 20 and have a couple big catches, then that can be a huge factor for this TCU football team. You know, I would love to say that we could see more from him than that. But it's hard to say that 
when I just have really no feel for where he's on the depth chart, what his health is like. But I'll say this. I think he's the type of player that when he does show up and make a play, it's going to be a big play just because of his ability to dig up and down, get up and down the field. Excuse me. Um, and you can put him in the slot. You can potentially put him outside. And so if you want to give somebody like Savion Williams a break or Dalen Wright a break, then Jalen Robinson um, potentially is your guy. Or JoJo Earl or John Paul Richards on the inside. I think Jalen's a player that they can move around. And so, yes, I think he's an X factor. I think he's a player that could have an impact on this TCU football team. It's difficult right now for me to put into my mind where exactly he would be. But when you have a guy who had almost a thousand yards receiving in a college season and in a shortened season, a COVID year, um, that's real deal production. And honestly, there's not many guys on this roster that can match that type of production in the season. It wasn't at the power five level at that time. Central Florida is about to make the jump up to the big 12. But I mean, Savion Williams had a good season last year. Wasn't asked to be a number one player. Jojo Earl has a ton of potential. John Paul Richardson was a huge factor in Oklahoma State's passing game last season. Dalen Wright's a guy that has shown flashes but hasn't put up those types of numbers. And so, yes, I think it's a good thought. I think it's a good thing to have in your mind. Can Jalen Robinson make an impact? Can he be a guy that maybe you're not, you know, you're not looking for him to set the table every week, but could he be a home run threat off the bench? Yes, I feel like all those things are true. It's also difficult to sort of know where he falls in the pecking order with everything going on. And so we'll see how that plays out. But Jalen Robinson, he's your third X factor for the TCU football team. There's a lot of talent on this team at wide receiver. It's a crowded wide receiver room, but it's a room that is banking on a lot of potential and not a lot of proven commodities. And so it's going to be intriguing to see sort of how that all comes into play and, and comes into focus as the year begins. When we come back, could TCU make a change with their pitching staff going into this College World Series round? We'll discuss that next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. So final thing for you, I've you know been kicking around today, like how is TCU going to approach this? And what would make the most sense is to let Cole Klecker start game one against Oral Roberts because – I mean, he is – I don't think TCU really has a true ace this year. He pitched like an ace against Indiana State, and I would love for, to see him continue that um, as this postseason run continues to go deeper and deeper. And he has been your most consistent arm all year. However, I wonder – this is a huge risk, and I don't think Kirk Charles will do this, but it's just something that I had in my mind. Could they, could they have the thought? Can we sneak in a start by Sam Stoutenborough here in game one and potentially save Klecker for a game two against the winner of Florida and Virginia? And I know that sounds kind of arrogant. It sounds cocky. This is not a TCU team that has played at this level all year long. And so to a certain extent, you're playing with fire by thinking that way. But I just, in my mind, I'm wondering, like, how can you sort of manipulate this to get the most out of your pitching depth? You have Klecker, and you don't have a stable of bullpen arms. You have some situational guys, but as the year's gone on, it's pretty clear what Kirk likes to do. He's going to pair Luke Savage with one of those guys, most likely early in the weekend or early in a, in a tournament. So Luke Savage is probably going to be the first arm out of the bullpen if and when Cole Klecker exits the game. 
in game one if they decide to go that route. And then Ben Abel is going to carry a lot of the workload in either game two or game three, depending on how, you know, things are shaking out. And so whether that's Sam Stoutenberg on the mound or that's Cam Brown on the mound, they're really just looking for as many innings as possible, hopefully with the lead in hand, with that starter on the mound, and then you pass it over to your big-time arm in Ben Abel. So I'm just – it's something I'm watching this week. Do they sort of switch things up? I don't know. I don't have inside information about it. I'm just fascinated by how they're going to kind of try to move these chess pieces in a way to maximize, um, you know, one of the the – I mean, it's not a detriment of this team, but it's just it's an obvious kind of issue is that there's not just a ton of starters that you can throw out there on a nightly or daily basis. And how do you find a way to kind of get your best out of the guys that you have moving forward? Um, we'll keep an eye on that. We're going to talk more TCU football this week. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.